All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. I can't imagine you not coming to this church without your Bible. Amen? Because this is a Bible preaching church. Amen? I believe, and by the way, I believe the only text you ought to uh, be paying attention to is not from your girlfriend on your cell phone, but from the Word of God. Amen? I had a report that somebody was texting during my whole message last Sunday morning, and I was so insulted I, I couldn't believe it. No, not really. I just uh, didn't notice, but uh, some other people noticed, so put it up, or if you can't handle it, leave it in the car. All right, Mark chapter 6. Is that too blunt? I don't think it is. Amen. Mark chapter 6, verse 7 uh, through 13. I don't think anything should distract you from worship. Anything. Amen. Girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, uh, uh, whatever shouldn't, shouldn't keep you from worshiping. Amen. But the devil will try to distract you. He'll try to devour you. He'll try everything he can to keep you from worshiping. So you can come in here and leave without a blessing, but also you cannot even come because uh, the devil will cause you to uh, be distracted. Don't let anything or anyone distract you from him. Amen? That's worship. Amen? I thank God for that. And I thank the Lord for uh, the focus of this church, and that is the Word of God. And we're preaching through the book of Mark, and I'm excited about it. Because I know where I'm going tonight, I'll be preaching on the beheading of John the Baptist and about how Herod lost his conscience and lost his sense. And also we'll be uh, preaching uh, through, the, through probably about chapter 6, verse 29, 14 through 29 tonight. So I know exactly where I'm preaching. Unless God changes like he did last Sunday night, we preached on the sanctity of life because it was the uh, terrible holiday, uh, the memorial of, of the time that we let Roe versus Wade uh, murder several millions of children in the United States of America. Well, wasn't that music good, amen? I believe with all my heart that the most important music is when you play for God. I believe it ought to be a priority. And I, I was just noticing our music. I appreciate our musicians. I've been in churches that don't even have a piano player. And I mean, they're sitting there saying, oh my, who's going to play now, you know? And I, One time I went to a church and they had a... a a, a tape recorder of a piano. It was good. It was good music. So it's not against the war, war, uh, law to use tapes if it's good music. And it was just hymns, but it was being played because nobody would step up and play an instrument. So, uh, musicians, we appreciate you so much. Appreciate your faithfulness to play God's music. That was just beautiful during Brother Randy's song. I thought he was going to get charismatic on us. Amen. That's wonderful. Amen. I believe you ought to get enthusiastic. Praise God. I'm, amen. I, I'm not against it. I'm, I'm against deadness in the house of God. And if he gets a little over-exuberant and jumps this pulpit or something, I'll calm him down. Don't worry about that. Amen. I'll catch him even. You know, but thank God. I believe we ought to be enthusiastic when we sing about the Lord. Amen. And some of you that's, you know, from a Presbyterian background, that probably just shook you up a little bit. But, you know, just loosen up. Praise God. Enjoy yourself. And uh, don't get out of bounds. We don't want you to jump in the pew because you might... Uh, hit somebody in the head or something, but, uh, you know, at least uh, act like you're glad to be here. Amen. Verse 7, let's stand on the Word of God. And he called unto him the twelve. I could preach on that for the whole hour. He called unto him. See, there's a witness before there's a witness. And that's what I'm talking about, worship. God calls you unto him. If you're going to be effective, you must be sanctified. That's what I preached on Wednesday night. Had a time. We only had a few people here, but we had one family came back from visiting Sunday, so that made me glad. It says, and he called unto him the twelve 
and began, and, he be, and, and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power over the unclean spirits and commanded them that they should take nothing for the journey save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse. But he'd be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. That was saying for a long trip. And he said to them, In what place soever he entereth into the house, there abide till ye depart from the place. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should repent. Amen. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the master's men and thank you, dear God, for the master's ladies. God, thank you for the privilege of being your servant this morning. I can't think of a better way to spend one's life than to serve you with gladness, not as a duty, but as a delight. And God, to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords and tell men and ladies and boys and girls if they don't get saved, they're going to miss heaven. They'll be in hell for eternity. Lord, what a witness. What a, what a privilege even to be a martyr, God, to lay down your life for, for the Lord as these men did. So Lord, help us to realize what it takes in this chapter, uh, God, in this book that really describes you as the greatest servant, God, what it takes for us to be a good servant. And God, that's exactly what we want to be. So Lord, help us not to serve manning or serve men or, or, ser or serve for uh, glamour or glory, but God, help us to serve you because you first served us at Calvary. Well, we're indebted to you and we love you. Lord, we want to be a good servant. So teach us something this morning, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the most amazing features of the gospel is when the Lord describes His disciples. I mean, they were not very qualified. They were just ordinary people. Uh, they were fishermen. Uh, they were former tax collectors for Rome. A couple of them were quick-tempered. Uh, one of them was uh, a traitor, not even a true believer. And all were just very common men. And these men lacked spiritual understanding. Often they lacked humility. They lacked faith. They lacked commitment. And I believe we ought to be committed to Christ. Amen. And they lacked power. And they, these men were always getting in trouble, missing the point, sometimes... Uh, Missing the teaching, not catching it, lashing out at people uh, that were different and saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. In other words, they were guilty of putting their foot in their mouth. And folks, I want to tell you something. These men were used of God to turn the world upside down. And what is so encouraging about this uh, passage of Scripture is that folks, as he said in Mark chapter 3 and verse 13 through 19 that we've already preached, is that these were ordinary men that had, a, had an extraordinary God with an extraordinary purpose. And folks, I want to tell you something. When you connect our nothingness to His everything, you have power. And you have a mission. And you have a mandate. And praise God, you have a miracle in your life. 
And so I can't think of anything more important than being God's servant. I mean, you name it. Uh, was it profit a man if he gained the whole world and uh, he's not a servant? Was it profit a man if, he, if he's written up as one of the most uh, famous football players or the most famous uh, superstar, famous uh, businessman or, or entrepreneur, and he dies and goes to hell? Or he lives just for that and somebody else inherits, inherits all they made and they blow it. Uh, we once knew a man that uh, lived beneath his privilege as one of the richest men in this, in this county. Matter of fact, he was worth $4.6 million when I wanted to take up a love offering for him because he drove such a crummy car and he, lived, and he, and he worked in such a crummy office that we happened to rent upstairs for our first location. And I want to take up a love offering for him. And some guy said, hey, listen, he's worth about $4.6 million. I said, well, praise God, he ought to give us a love offering. And so he did, $70. But anyway, uh, I mean, that was total, you know, but he gave us free rent, six months. And the place was the, sh the shabbiest. Uh, they used it for the haunted house before we started in February, the holy house. And he would just live beneath his privilege. Our state trooper who played the organ at that time Pulled him over for bald tires, tires, cars, tires, amen. Uh, I'm glad nobody pulled me over for a bald head, amen, but he, you know, and his lights were out. And folks, I want to tell you something, friend, that's not what this means. But this does mean this, if you're going to serve God, you need to have not only service in your life, you need to have sacrifice. There's where the rubber meets the road, and there's where a lot of people, they get off the boat, and there's where they change churches. Uh, one time I lost a deacon and uh, I, I finally got up the nerve and said, why did you leave? You didn't even tell, tell me bye. And he said, because you, you expected me to work. And I thought, wait a minute. A deacon means servant. Not board member that runs the preacher off every three and a half years. But it's a servant. And I said, brother, don't want to say his name. And we were still good friends and, and uh, I, pre I appreciate him. But he thought that deaconship was sitting around some committee meeting and just uh, telling everybody else how to serve the Lord. Folks, a deacon's a servant. But let me just say this. A Christian's a servant. Let me just say this. A pastor's a servant. We're all servants. And we ought to be servant leaders, leading others to be servants. And I want to say this. This thing about church is not about you. It's about getting equipped to be a servant. It's a boot camp to be a good soldier. Folks, it's a training ground to be a good worker. And folks, I want to tell you something. There should be nothing getting in the way of you training to be a disciple. We ought to disciple others. We ought to train others. And I'm just saying, friend, uh, sometimes we got this, um, this, uh, this backwards where we think that uh, uh, church is literally a spectator sport. We come and get entertained. We come, you know, and that's why we have entertainment committees and all kinds of stuff in a lot of churches. And it's a big hoopla because everybody's there to get something. But I want to tell you something. You're here to give God glory. And you're here to give your life a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, as a servant. Amen. And you ought to, that ought to be your prayer, that God would allow you to serve Him. I want to tell you something. You, you would be a lot better off coming here serving others instead of trying to look around and see who can serve you. Because if you do that, you're going to get offended because somebody's not going to serve you enough. Say amen. I was kidding with the ladies at the greeting uh, post back there and. And uh, they were telling me that uh, the reason they came to this church is because somebody 
was so kind and nice and, and cordial. And they named the names. I think they said Brother Howard Turner and Brother and Sister Joanne Jones was really nice to them when they walked in and it made a first impression. And I thought, well, that's wonderful, amen. As many people as Joanne's ran off now, she's getting some, you know, that's what, no, you know, and, uh, you know, and I thought to myself, that's, that's what it's all about, amen. It's being greeters and, and we don't have to have an official post back there. Amen. We don't have to have an official title. Uh, some of you men aren't qualified to be a deacon. Well, you ought to be a servant without a title. Say amen. Come on. And folks, all of us is looking for titles, but I want to tell you something, folks. I believe we're living in a day and age where we're looking for entitlement. Well, you owe me this, and you owe me this, and you owe me this. Folks, we don't owe you nothing, and God, and God don't owe you nothing. We owe Him everything. Say amen. That's good preaching if I did introduce it, amen. We, we're here to give, not to get. We're here to minister, not to be ministered unto. And that's the theme verse of Mark, is that he came to be ministered unto, not to minister. Oh, excuse me, he came to be ministered and not to be ministered unto in Mark chapter 10. Got that backside dadders, as my, wife, my mama used to say. We're here to serve, amen. It's sort of like a, a soldier gets in the army and they think it's all about them, they ain't going to last long. Well, I thought this was going to be a paid vacation, praise God. I get to travel a lot, get some free food, get a, get a nice uniform, I don't even have to buy my own clothes. It ain't about that. It's about training. And so I want to get into this message real quick and look at verse 7. It says, He called unto the twelve. He called unto him the twelve. I was looking all over the Gospels during the song, and I didn't mean to be rude. I was getting a lot out of it. I can do two things at one time, not more. And I was trying to find all the times that the Lord said, come with me and with me. And it was right in the text. And I just overlooked it. He called unto him the twelve. Folks, our first calling is to be with him. And folks, that means we ought to be with him in Bible study, in prayer. I, I was reading uh, uh, in Genesis chapter 50 this week about Joseph and how the, the brothers Deserved to be killed. And Joseph said, God meant it for good. The devil meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He was sold by his own brothers. You talk about hurt feelings. You talk about being deserted. You talk about he was sold by his own brothers. What a hurt. How, how terrible he must have felt when his brothers sold him. And now he's loving them and forgiving them. Let me just say right up front, if you're going to be a disciple, you've got to get tough. You've got to realize people are going to hurt you, and you're going to be hurt. One of the greatest temptations I have in the 41 years of being pastor of this church is not to get hurt. And I've been so hurt that I couldn't sleep and weep all night over somebody leaving this church that I thought would never leave this church. So hurt that I'd get up the next morning, you asked Miss Connie, but don't ask her too much because it's personal. I said, I think I'll quit. Now, I got over it by Wednesday. Thank God. But I want to tell you something. Nothing hurts more than people not being faithful. You want to encourage this pastor and you want to encourage each other, be faithful. It's the greatest encouragement there is. These men were faithful, and the Bible says they sent them out Two by two. Now, folks, that is good common sense because I believe that means that there's a requirement of the law that two establish a witness. 
So if this guy's a little faint, then this guy takes it up and says, yes, he's alive. Number two, it's, it um, was for encouragement. I hate going soul winning by myself. I love going with a partner because that partner encourages me, that partner uh, prays for me, and then maybe that partner has an inroad, and then I get to be the silent partner, which is a total miracle when I'm the silent partner. But I'll tell you, it, it, it's a blessing to go and serve people. I remember when I was so lonely, uh, it was just me and Connie and an eight-month-old baby, Jason, our assistant pastor. And I used to pray for partners to go soul winning with, partners to minister with, because it was so lonely. So they sent them out two by two, the Bible says, and he gave them power over unclean spirits. And so first of all, we see they were sent out, but praise God, they were not sent out by themselves, they were sent out with power. Now this word power, look at it in verse uh, 7, I'm still in the first verse. He gave them power over unclean spirits. The word power means authority. Folks, the power means an extension of one as a minister around the country. Jesus literally multiplied himself. You know, there's a verse that often confused me in John chapter 14, verse 12. You ever been confused by one verse? And John 14, 12 confused me. I don't know why. But, um, and uh, when it does that, you won't hear me preach on it much, so I get it clear. But John 14, 12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he's talking to his disciples, he's about to go to Calvary, He that believeth on me the works that I do, he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, folks, because he went unto the Father, his Spirit came down, and so therefore, folks, um, we're an extension of the Lord Jesus Christ. And only Jesus could could cover a certain area, but we can cover the whole world. And so if everybody would fulfill their purpose of being a servant, we could carry the message to the world. Acts 1.8 says that they uh, were baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, and they became his witnesses. The word witness means martyr. And most of these men gave their lives. And so first of all, I want you to know, friend, there, there's a privilege, but there's a mission. And our mission is not about us. Our mission is not about enjoying this service, even though I enjoy it greatly. I got it this morning, uh, and you look like after 8,000 messages that it get a little old, because I'm getting a little old. And after 41 years, you think, well, you know, this is just, and I'm not saying I get up every morning jumping and shouting and, and you know, uh, doing cartwheels in the shower. I'm much too big for that. But I want to say this, friend, that's why I don't like those plane trips. Have you ever went in one of those bathrooms? you got to back out of them. Praise God. Amen. You go in forward and you go out backwards. Amen. And you just hope you can turn around in those things. Uh, that's not good for a fat preacher. But anyway, I want you to know this, friend, is that every day with Jesus should be sweeter than the day before. And every service ought to be exciting. And there's something wrong with you if your wife has to rope burn you and hog tie you to get you to come to church. You need to get right with God, man. You need to be the spiritual leader. You need, to, you, need to, you need to enthuse your family over what's important. What's more important, the Super Bowl next Sunday or, uh, or going to church on Sunday night? What's more important? You men of God ought to be the kind of service to say, I know what's more important because those guys are, are not going to give me eternal life. They're not going to bless me like my Lord has, I'm worshiping the Lord. Amen? And I want to tell you something. I see number two, not only the mission, but I see the mandate. As part of his commission, he told them 
some certain things to do. And look, look at back at verse 8. He says, He commanded them they should take nothing for their journey. There's an old gospel, I'll take nothing for my journey now. You remember that? And it says, And take nothing for their journey save a staff only. That's a walking stick. Uh, probably to knock off uh, some dogs that attacked them. I don't know. And no script. That, that is a, that's a traveling bag. That's not something you read. And then it says, And no bread, no money in their purse. And that's, and that's her wallet, because they didn't have purses back then, amen. That's just a King James wallet, amen, praise the Lord. Come on, let's get masculine here. I don't carry a purse. But that, you know what it, what it means. Well, what is all this saying? It's saying, friend, listen, trust God for your, for your money. Trust God for your food. Just go by faith. This is assignment of faith here, folks. If I went so winning every time I felt like it, I wouldn't go much. But, folks, i got to go by faith. And then after I go by faith, the feelings are the caboose, and there's a joy in serving God. I'll I just tell you, there's a joy. Some of y'all been with me when I led somebody to the Lord. I remember the night you got saved, Brother Butch. Praise God. I mean, I shouted all the way home. I'm not a public shouter. I'm just a private shouter. Amen? And I was so thrilled that this dear wife had been come to church for 11 years by herself, and, 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 and Butch bowed his head to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come in his life on a Thursday night. Amen. Visitation. I don't know if I felt like going or not, but I sure felt like going to another door after that happened because I saw a dear wife's prayer answered, and now Butch is here every time in pain, suffering. Uh, he's here. He's in Sunday school, praise God. That's the extra mile. No, it's not. It's the first mile. We need to live by faith. Uh, we should take nothing for our journey now. We ought to not be so prepared that we have to depend on ourselves. Uh, Philippians 4.19 says that we ought to uh, trust Him to supply every need we have. And I want to say this, and I'm going to say it real, real plain. This is more teaching than it is preaching this morning. If you want to serve God, God will equip you. If you really want to do a good job teaching, God will equip you. And God will tell you what to say when you need to say it. He'll remind you of the verses. Don't be so fearful that you never step out by faith and serve God. Don't just be a pew warmer because you're afraid you'll mess up. Folks, we all mess up. But even our mistakes, God can use. That makes me happy that I know that when I came to this town, never pastoring before in my life, just a Sunday school teacher and assistant pastor for four years, I felt constantly unqualified. And everybody asked me, where did you go to Bible college? And where did you get your degree? And how many degrees you got? And I was embarrassed about my college degree of business administration. I thought, man, I'm really not qualified for this. But I want to tell you something, he's qualified. Amen. And I want to tell you something, he qualifies as you go. He equips as you go. Folks, I want to tell you something, God will bless a moving object a lot more than a stagnant one. And so what we need to do is get busy for God. And the very type thing that we fear the most, like talking to people or knocking on the door, we ought to do it. And folks, these disciples were giving their lives for Christ. I mean, literally, every one of them probably was martyred. And folks, that's what the word witness means. But they stepped out by faith, and they didn't take everything they needed because all they needed was God. And God provided. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10, when the 70 went out, that it was, the devil was like lightning falling from the sky, but they rejoiced that their names were written in the Lamb's book of life. They were rejoicing that the name was written in the book of life, but also 
that they were rejoicing because they had power to tread over serpents. And that's the devil and all his demons. And so, folks, we need to be good stewards of everything that God gives us, but don't wait on education. Don't wait on personality training. Don't wait on personal uh, uh, confidence. Just wait on God. Worship and witness. Uh, supplicate and serve. Pray and go out by faith and watch His power flow. None of us is qualified to be His servant. But God wants us to have availability, not just ability. And folks, these men are a perfect example of it. I mean, they, the, 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 the timeless principle here is always be a wise steward of what God gives you, but trust God to take care of you. Trust God to equip you. Trust God to fill you with His Spirit to overflow it. And then I see something else in this passage. I see not only in this mandate that we ought to trust God and, and go by faith and let His ability take care of us, but there's an idea of urgency. Why would He send them out? Folks, there's an urgency. In, the, in the John chapter 9, verse 4, there's an urgency about the Lord's life. He said, I must work... The, the works while it's, while it's day, for the night soon cometh that no man works. Folks, there ought to be an urgency about witnessing. There ought to be an urgency about the shortness of your life. There ought to be an urgency that, folks, people are dying and going to hell, and we don't need to just take a vacation when it comes to serving God. We need to be urgent. We need to have a passion. We need to, not, it said, take one coat. That means usually a rich person was affording two coats. He says, we need to be humble. We don't know, need to go and condescend on people. We need to come as humble servants saying, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. See, I believe we ought to be proud of being, being saved. I ought to be more than proud, we ought to be thankful. But we ought to be not only proud and thankful, we ought to be passionate. I mean, we, this ought to be the main thing that we talk about. Amen? I mean, you can talk about a lot of things like your hobbies and your sports and your money and yourself and all your talents and all the things you do during the week, but I want to tell you something. How much have you talked about Jesus this week? How, much, how many times have you praised Him? And folks, I want to tell you something. They were accepted, uh, people's hospitality. Look at verse 10. And He said to them, In what place, wherever you enter into the house, there abide till you depart from that place. Now that would be very humbling for me. To go to somebody's house and stay in their house. I always feel like I'm intruding. Amen? And I want to tell you something, friend. We need to be content that God will provide a place of service and power of service. And folks, that power will enable you to have boldness. Not brassness, but boldness. So these disciples, had. there was no Holiday Inn Express, or they would have felt like disciples. There was no place to stay except people's houses. He said, go. And, and, and abide and be content. Uh, don't be shod with sandals and two coats like you're some sp special rich person. And then we see in verse 11, he said, when you enter the villages and you're rejected, don't quit. Now here's the temptation. Here's the temptation. It's the biggest temptation you'll face as a servant. That's to quit. Just to get discouraged. How many times has somebody hurt your feelings? How many times have you been rejected? 
I want to tell you something, friend. You, you need to realize that when you enter a, a, a place of business or a, a place where people work, you're an unannounced guest. And the Bible says if, 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 if you're rejected, you ought to shake off the dust in your feet as a testimony against them. See, f- folks, God has not called us to be prosecuting attorneys. God's called us to be witnesses. We can't win anybody. Only God can win them. But our, our duty and our privilege is to plant the gospel in their hearts. It's to be faithful, to be a testimony. And folks, in the Bible days, they would reject them to the point they'd put them in jail and starve them and hurt them and beat them and kill them. And he said, shake the dust off your feet. Shake the dust off your feet. Listen, you won't last long in Christian service unless you realize that not everybody's going to love you. Not everybody. And let, let me tell you this too. And this is what I have to fight every day of my life. The amplification from Satan. The amplification of Satan. Some person comes out the door mad at me. I'll go home and the devil said, say, the whole church is mad at you. They really hate your guts. They're just tolerating you. I'll sit there and say, you really think so? So then I'll ask my wife, she's got more sense than I do. She says, no, that's a bunch of junk. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's, a, that's what I thought, amen. Because I know she still loves me, amen. Or she says she does. She does. Amen. But the old devil will get on my back and he'll get on my shoulders and he'll try to go to bed with me. And he's not welcome. And I'll sit there and stare at the ceiling saying, I wonder what he meant by that. I wonder what she meant by that. I wonder why they don't come anymore. And then I'll just want to quit. I'm just going to be real transparent here this morning. You need to shake the dust off your feet. I'm not talking about being callous. But folks, we have a mission. And we don't have time to cuddle and baby people. Say amen. And if they don't receive the gospel, it's not your fault, it's their fault. Now, you know, you know, you know that I go back hundreds of times with people. And I don't give up easy. And I've been accused of not being wise in the times I've come back. And I've got some people to come back to this church I wish I hadn't. Because they just about destroyed me. And God had to deal with them. But I want to say this, friend. I don't believe you ever should give up on anybody, but you shouldn't give up on yourself. And I just want to be very practical this morning, very helpful, I hope. Dust off your sandals when people reject you. These disciples had to learn to be, and I hate to use the word, tough. I wouldn't give you 10 cents for a football player that when he got knocked down, he says, I'm going to the bench. That's it. Uh Uh-oh, they don't like me out here. (laughs) You know, this this ain't what I signed up for. You should have been a punter then, say amen. But you get knocked down, what do you do? You get back up. What made uh, uh, the great running backs, the great running backs they are is that they, they, they ran for thousands of yards. But they only averaged about four or five. They got back up. In other words, they played hurt. 
And let me just say this, friends, since we're in, and this is not even Super Bowl Sunday, I should have saved that for next week, couldn't I? Missed my opportunity. This ain't no game. This ain't no sport. If we can be tough for that and tough for school and tough for business, I think we can be dusting off our sandals and going on for God. Why? Because we're doing it for Him, not them. There's a time where you got to stay focused. Feel like a coach this morning. There's a time that you need to get your priorities of, of, of who you're serving. And folks, I want to tell you something. It ain't easy. And the devil will amplify. Oh, everybody hates you. Oh, yeah. Your days are numbered. And I want to tell you something. It's a life in the pit of hell. Because he's amplified it from the pit of hell. Dust off the dust in your feet as a testimony against them. If somebody wants to reject the gospel and you planted it with love and perseverance and sacrifice, you've done your part. You've accomplished the mission. Now God will give the increase. I've had people slam the door in my face, about broke my foot one time over at Sugar Departments because several people had visited before, and I just threw the track in the door and said, take that. I think I was being a smart aleck. I might have been trying to impress the new deacon I was with, Danny Tucker. I don't know. But I'm glad I got the gospel in the door, amen? Because about 4 o'clock the next morning, that man woke up after three times reading it, and he got saved, and he apologized to me after he got baptized over at Bible Way Baptist Church because his pastor Bobby Blue said, you need to apologize to everybody you offended. And he said, the first person I thought about was the guy that I slammed the door on his foot. And you threw that little piece of paper in the you forgive me. I smiled all night, Brother Darrell. At least I went to bed, amen. I was so excited that a track was used when a guy wanted to be offended at me giving him an invitation to a good church. God uses rejection to magnify himself. Dust the dust off your feet. And go on for God. I've seen cults do that. Well, they ain't got a right to do it. But we Christians have a right to do what the Bible says. That means go on anyway. Be faithful in season, out of season. Plant whether they receive it or not. But do your part to be a servant. Then I want to close by saying I don't only see the mission and the mandate, but I see the message. And this is the most important thing. You know, by the way, it says, Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for, for that city. Because you know why? They were just rejecting uh, uh, a person in Sodom and Gomorrah. They were rejecting Lot. And they were rejecting Abraham. But I want to tell you something, folks. If a person rejects you and you're representing God, they reject the Lord Jesus Christ and there's judgment on that. And I'll, by the way, by the way, you're not too important, and, you, it's, and it's not about you. And, and we need to stop taking this thing so personal. Because I want to tell you something, they're not mad at you, they're mad at who you represent. Amen? That, that, folks, listen, listen, don't take it personal when people reject you. Don't take it personal when they don't receive your message. The one they need to take it personal about is the one they're 
personally rejecting, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. I often say this, we're not that important, but He is. And what we're doing is. But I want to get to the main part right here, and I'll just give a couple minutes. It says, they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Now, folks, they preached that men should repent. What's the word repent mean? It means a change of mind that leads to a change of action. It means being converted. It's a radical and powerful experience. You, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. I'm so excited that we have a message that will change lives. I'm so excited that we have a message that will last for eternity. I'm so excited that I have a message to tell people they don't have to go to hell, but they can go to heaven. But I want to tell you something, friend. It's not just praying a prayer, and it's not just reciting a creed, and it's not just joining a church, and it's definitely not just getting baptized. It's believing in your heart and giving your life to Christ. Repentance. Repentance. The word repent is never mentioned in the book of John, but there is a word that's mentioned hundreds of times, believe. And that's synonymous. If you believe in Christ, you turn from the world. You believe in Christ, you turn from the devil. There is a repentance when it comes to salvation. Repentance arises out of a heart of godly sorrow. Not sorry that you got caught, but sorry that you are a sinner. That you're guilty of being a sinner. And you no longer unbelieve, but you believe. And folks, there's many voices calling for repentance. Folks, the call from on high is our message. We ought to tell people, turn to God. And then I see, last but not least, the ministry of the twelve. In verse 13, they cast out many devils, anointed uh, with all many that were sick, and healed them. Folks, they had some confirmation going on. And our confirmation is a changed life. But I'll tell you another thing our confirmation is. It's a faithful life. You know what, most people expect you to get excited about the Lord for a while. But when you don't quit, and when you're faithful, and when you're in season, out of season faithful, they, they, have, they have a proof positive evidence that God is greater than emotion, He's greater than willpower, He's greater than determination, He is a greater God because He delivers you from your lower self and you get born again, and thank God, friend, the sign, the credentials of the apostles were, were uh, devils uh, being cast out, anointing with oil, and people being healed, and even raised from the dead, which is all apostolic signs. First, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 12. There's a sign of apostle, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. And then, folks, in Acts chapter 2, it said that the disciples would be authenticated. In other words, the Bible says that you'll know that they're disciples because of these authenticating signs. Look at chapter 2 real quick, verse 3 of Hebrews. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed by them that heard Him? That's the disciples. Now listen to this. God also bearing them, the disciples, witness both with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. In other words, you don't demand what, what miracle you're going to get. 
And so, folks, he bared witness with them with signs and wonders. And, folks, God did that because there was no word complete. There was no Bible complete. And I want to tell you something, friend. The way we can complete our testimony and how we can have an effective witness and not return void is live it. A changed life. So that's why you need to go with him before you witness to them. And there's a witness before there's a witness. God help us. God help us to have a desire to be in the ministry. And God help us that when we get in the ministry, we don't try to self-equip ourselves. And God help us to have an urgency about this ministry. And God help us to realize the most convincing part of witnessing is be real and be right and be holy and be like Jesus and be filled with His power. And when you speak and when you live, they'll know that God is real. Father, use the message. Thank you, dear God, for the privilege of being your servant. Now, God, I've been tried many times by the devil to get knocked out of here. And I just thank you for one more Sunday. Thank you for one more sermon. I thank you for one more Sunday school lesson that I got to listen to. I thank you I'm not on the shelf this morning. I'm not home disenchanted with the whole thing called church. Many of my preacher friends are on the shelf. Many of them are no longer your disciples. Many are sitting home hurt, bitter, despondent depressed and Lord I pray dear God that we'll see the life of these ordinary men these humble but sometimes unholy men that trusted you and you used them to do greater works you multiplied yourself through them I can't think of a more blessed miracle in our lives than to let you be who you are through us. Wherever we go, wherever we work, wherever we go to school, God help us. And Lord, we know that if you're our help and our relationship with you is this important, that all hell is going to try to break it up. All hell is going to try to get us diverted, detoured, and disgusted, and discouraged. And Lord, I've been through it. I won't go into detail about how much I've been through it, but I've been through it. But Lord, I haven't been through nothing compared to our missionaries. I haven't been through nothing compared to our, the, the men of, of the past, the New Testament Christians, that were literally drugged down the streets of Lystra, boiled with tarred and feathered and used as lamps in the mad Nero's orgy parties, crucified, imprisoned, homeless. God, help us to be faithful. And not just to be faithful celebrities, but to be faithful servants.